You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to 32 Fans. I'm Alex Chester. With me for our uh, sixth year, calendar year of podcasting, is Akiva Wieneker. Wheels, how's it rolling? Sixth calendar year. So 2019, 18, 17, 16, 15. That's fair. Yeah. Kind of crazy. I uh, didn't think we'd last this long. No, I know. Now our, like, our podcast children have children I know. That is own. true. Like There's a new podcast yeah. out. And I was like, is that in the... Th- Av, Av Sinetsky's on like four different podcasts at this point. Yeah, there's a, there's like it's a spinoff of... Of a, of a spin-off, spin-off and it's like, is it in our universe? Yeah. I don't think so. No. But they're in our coaching not, not, tree. Not, yeah, I think they're not. in our coaching tree. Yeah, I think that's how it works. You get credit all the way down the coaching mm-hmm. tree. Uh, but we have a lot to get to this week. It is the playoffs. Uh, only 11 NFL games remaining, uh, four of them this week. Your team's done. My team will uh, probably be done in about uh, five days from now, or fewer, three oh, days definitely. from now. Your team's definitely going to be what, done. What, yeah. Um, we also uh, we want to talk uh, uh, television of 2019. I think it was a great year for TV, and we haven't done that yet. So we're going to do that here on the regular feed. But uh, let's start with uh, pouring one out uh, for the great David Stern passed away last night. Yeah, uh, that's sad. Um, I was thinking, has there ever been in since uh, you know the baseball flip commissioners a couple times in the late 80s, early 90s, right? In from the Selig era on. Well, well didn't Giamatti die like? Within yes, like months of yes, getting yeah, his yeah, appointment, yeah. yeah. Um, there's never been a commissioner who's been fired or like forced to quit. Like every single commissioner has lasted forever. Yeah. So Gary Bettman has been around. I think he's the original. I think before him, the NHL didn't have commissioners; they had like yeah. presidents. Remember, each so conference used like, to have a president been... in the NHL, which is insane. Yeah. Like, there's no reason to separate two conferences. But uh... yeah, Seelig sort of came in as and baseball had that too, but they were guy. The interim guy eventually took over the job full time, and he did it till he retired. Tagliabue did it till he retired. Stern did it till he retired. So yeah, that's a good point. Um, but Stern, you'd agree, clearly the best, you know, the best commissioner at least of our lifetimes. Right? Uh, yeah. No. Well, Goodell won Stern too. Yeah. Yeah. Stern for sure. I mean, um, Batman is. It's funny because like Batman and Goodell are both so bad. Manfred might end up being really good, and so might Stern's successor Adam Silver. But it's too ter- too early to tell. Yeah. If I had to rank them right now from 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 worst to first, I'd say Goodell, Batman. Manfred, just because, you know, he hasn't been around long enough yet. He hasn't uh, done anything of note uh, positive yet. Uh, Selig, Tagliabu, who who did a good job, I think, but just, you know, hard to follow who he was following. Yeah, but Tagliabu right? did do a good and job. Then, and the truth is, like, the sport really became no, number one No, he did a very good his, job, yeah. And they had very few controversies. There were far fewer controversies on yeah, the but, but 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 Yeah, but he was he was good, but he just, you know, he, he was sort of like Silver following Stern, mm-hmm. I think. 
Um, and then, yeah, and then Silver and then Stern. Uh, I mean, Stern, you know, I mean, everybody said it, but when he took over the NBA as the commissioner, it was literally like, you know, their game, they didn't have games on, on live television. Uh, and now it's the biggest global game in the world. Uh, on a personal level, for me, you know, like, uh, I think Stern's legacy affects my, like, day-to-day work every just about every day because Stern first uh, started working on the NBA as the outside counsel. He was at a law firm called Proskauer Rose in New York City, um, which to this day, thanks to Stern, and then Adam Silver also came out of Proskauer, is you know one of if not the biggest uh, sports law firms in the country, and um, we work opposite them across from the table from them on deals you know almost every day. So, um, mm-hmm. and you know I, I assume that that all that that doesn't happen if not for what Stern becomes, uh, which sort of uh, helps Proskauer's sports practice grow and grow. But um, yeah, so um, David Stern uh, no longer with us, uh, watching basketball in heaven. I guess um, let's. Um, so what do we? What do you want to do first? You want to do playoffs first? You want to do TV first? Uh, let's let's do uh, TV TV because it's all the year's over. The year every second we go, the year is even more over. So <laughs> give me. Okay. I don't and I don't have a, a countering list because I didn't really watch prestige tv this year so i just want to hear your top 20 or whatever you're going to do this year. yeah you just watch do you know how much my wife has been watching so there's 90 day fiance and then there's like spin-offs of it yeah, apparently so many spin-offs yeah my wife watches this stuff around it's crazy the that she, i don't get any messages like hey what do you think about this like oh we should talk yeah about when, and and well i by osmosis have started to watch some of this crap show what do you also. like which couples do you like uh, i mean well you know so there's, there's an early season couple that met on birthright they're like one of the more no, normal i didn't I, I don't know the names of anybody. Mm-hmm. So there, there's there's the one couple which I get so upset that I have to stop watching because I think the show is exploitative. It's uh, it's an African-American man, and he's dating a, a Russian woman who's clearly just using him for his okay. money. Do you know what I'm talking about? He sent her like $40,000. Yeah, uh, but that's fake. You don't see her, right? <coughs> Excuse he's me. A na- he works well, in a I nail mean, salon? You, I forget. but You but don't he, see her. Um, it's a catfish. She like, doesn't exist. He seems to be low IQ, yeah, yeah. and it, it seems very wrong to me that he's being um, taken advantage of. Like the show, I understand like it's a documentary, and the show doesn't want to interject itself. No, the show interjects point, itself like. plenty. You're you're completely. Wrong. Oh, it does. Okay, it's the know. opposite. It's fake. So yeah, um, that that whole thing right, okay, is fine. like just it's a bogus cat. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, he is All low right, IQ, okay, so, and, and uh, they are taking advantage of him, but not in the way you think, probably. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes me feel a little better, I guess. So uh, there's two shows that I haven't yet seen from 2019 that I intend on seeing. I've seen the first episode of Watchmen. I haven't seen the rest. So that's not on this mm-hmm. list. But from the reviews um, and the way people went bonkers for the finale, that'll probably be higher on this list when I eventually see it. Also, I haven't seen the latest season of The Crown, which probably would be somewhere in the middle of this list, but uh, I'll definitely see it as well. Um, the only other show that I was interested in, but I've heard nobody talk about it, is On Becoming a God in Central Florida on mm-hmm. Showtime. Have you I've heard, heard about it? Show? That's it. <laughs> and what have you heard? Nothing. That it's that it's a show. I don't know if it's good or bad. <laughs> that it exists. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I think that 2019 was a very strong year for shows. Um, so when we did our movie podcast, the movies of the decade, I didn't rank my movies on the podcast. I just mentioned them. And then afterwards, I actually did rank them for the purpose of the spreadsheet. Kind of did the same thing here. These aren't in like a strict order. Um, so, you know, if, if you have a strong take that number seven is better than or worse than number 13, like, you know, don't at me because I'm not disagreeing. These are just these are shows that I liked and, and would recommend. Mm, to this is the famous another. family guy list uh, from the last time you did this. Yeah. So, yeah, I finally quit a couple shows like that. Um, uh, so a few honorable mentions before I get to the top 20, three HBO shows that I have varying opinions about. Uh, not good enough to be my top 20. One is Righteous Gemstones. Are you watching Righteous Gemstones? I guess not, because you have uh, dropped off. Hello. No, what I, I I blipped out and in for of Skype. Keep going. 
Oh, are you watching Righteous Gemstones? No, I, but it's funny because I've seen all of their other shows, but for whatever reason, I have not watched. Yeah, should I, is it better than the other shows? Because the last four shows they've done have been the exact same. <laughs> yeah, the pro- Danny McBride is the same in everything he does. He's like the number and one type. Ca- like the last show we did, we said this. Like the you know, he's like the yeah, number one. I yeah. play the same character. Vice Prince, in yeah. Every... Yeah, so that's that's kind of why I'm a little bit out on that. Catherine the Great, uh, did I you watch that on HBO? It, so it was like a four-part miniseries, Catherine the Great, played by Helen Mirren, uh, not by uh, Dame Judi Dench. James Judi. It, it, it was so good. Yeah, for the first episode and a half, it, Jen and I were sort of confused. We kept thinking that they were based in England, not mm-hmm. Russia, because everybody has a British accent, and it's Helen Mirren who's played the Queen, bef- uh, you know, the the, uh, the Queen of England before. So that was a little bit confusing. Um, it was very, it was very meh. Um, it was, I mean, I learned a lot about who Potemkin was, and before that I only knew the expression Potemkin Village, so that was worth something. But um, it was not very good, but I watched it anyways. And then the other HBO show, uh, out of my top 20, was a show you never watched, which is crazy to me because you claim to be a football fan and you claim to be a fan of The Rock, but uh, you never watched Ballers. No, because it's not good. And Ballers' final season, yeah, the final season was absurd, but, um, you know, it was it was entertaining in a sense. So um, those are the three HBO shows. I'm a fan of The Rock who mentioned. doesn't consume any of his content, famously. I, yeah, I can't. I, I watched Jumanji, I think, with the kids, but I have seen like two rock movies ever. <laughs> really hacking yeah. up a lung here you this morning. Um, all right, so let's let's get to my top twenty. So number twenty is another show. Sort of, you know, anytime you have a period drama, especially like historical drama based on something that actually happened, I'm always going to watch it. Um, and so that that applies as well to Chernobyl. Did you watch Chernobyl? No. Okay. Did you know there was yeah, a show? Yeah, of course, on of course. It, it, it was on people HBO. were talking about it. It just didn't really interest me to watch it. Yeah, Jared Harris was uh, was the one of the main stars. Um, so that's number twenty on my list. It, it was it was fine. It was good. It you know one of the things I appreciate about shows like that, whether it's Catherine the Great or Chernobyl, is that it'll lead me to then sort of go Google and learn more about a topic that I didn't really know that mm-hmm. much about. And and that's sort of the main. It was it was it was better than Catherine the Great. It was definitely worth watching, but it wasn't amazing. So it's just number twenty on my list. Number nineteen is Brockmire. Please tell me you're watching Brockmire. Uh, no, I saw season one and maybe two, but I, I'm not up to date on Brockmire. I liked it, but it never yeah. made me like, hey, you have to come back and watch this. Has it gotten better? Yeah, it's not a must watch, but it's a half hour comedy and there's like, what, like eight, eight to ten episodes a year. So it's not very hard to bang out. Mm-hmm. It's Hank Azaria is, is always great. And, you know, it's a sports component. So if, if you like sports, if you like comedy, if you like The Simpsons or anything Hank Azaria has done, I would definitely recommend it. Um, no, so in season three, he um, you know he gets called up to the big leagues, and it's uh, it's more of the same, but it's it's fine. Uh, it's not it's not amazing, but it's it's an enjoyable show. Number eighteen is the Spy. I don't know what that is. Okay, so the Spy is a Netflix uh, miniseries starring Sasha Baron Cohen as Ellie Cohen, no relation. This is a story that you and I are very familiar with uh, before. Oh the yeah, show. yeah, yeah. This I'm, I'm, I'm sh- familiar with. Yeah, the Man in Damascus. I'm shocked you didn't see this. No, because everyone said it's bad. It got terrible reviews. Yeah. Oh really? Oh, because I was talking to some of my friends about their lists, uh, some listeners of ours before uh, this podcast, and a number of them had this show pretty high up on their list. I was kind of surprised, actually. Uh, to me, it was, if you weren't already interested in the story, you might not be as interested, although you can make the opposite argument that if you don't know the story, you'd appreciate it more because it's such a bonker story. It's like, it's too incredible to be believed. The Spy is the true story of Ellie Cohn, who was a Mossad spy, who um, like a, uh, who was a, a Syrian Jew. And he he moved to Syria in the 1960s and basically got himself um, he infiltrated into the Syrian Ministry of Defense and basically became like, you know, a, a, uh, 
close with sort of all the top uh, brass in, in Syrian high society. And he was actually the deputy. He was named uh, in his in his fake um, character, Kamel Tabit, whatever it was. He became the deputy defense minister of Syria and he was close with the uh, president of Syria. So. It's a true story about uh, an incredible true story of how how high up he got uh, in Syria, and um, and it shows some of the, uh, the the famous things that he did. That ha- even after he was caught, Syria still didn't really realize some of the things he had done, which helped uh, Israel immensely in the uh, Six Day War, which followed in 1967 uh, between Syria and Israel. So it's it's an incredible story. It's Sasha Baron Cohen, who's always good in everything he does. You know, there's no comedy in this role. He plays it very very straight. Um, and, you know, there's also the psychological aspect of, you know, when you're pretending to be two people, when are you when, when are you the other? You know, when he goes back to Israel on occasion to visit his family and his wife, he sort of forgets who he is and, you know, which character is he? And he has to remember, obviously, two completely different backstories. So um, I'm surprised you didn't see The Spy. And I would definitely – it's only six right, episodes. So I'll check it out, but it got pretty it's, poor reviews. Yeah. Um, what, let's see what the reviews are. Um, it has 86% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so from I'm not sure where you're getting that from. On Metacritic – on Metacritic, it's 73 out of 100. That's not great. So, um, Alan Sepwal said, Baron Cohen uh, couldn't have found a, a role more well-suited to he his didn't gifts like and it. career to I date. I think his review was... The Spy is a thriller paid, played straight. Uh, Sepinwall did. I think he did not. He wrote a very glowing review in Rolling Stone. I think I think uh, he liked Sasha Baron Cohen's performance, but not the show. Um, well, anyways. Um, so... Uh, I mean, in, in, on Wikipedia it says um, the performance was well received. Rolling, anyways. And Maybe. the point is, it's a it's a worthwhile okay. show. It's only six episodes. Watch an episode, see okay, if you sure. like it, and then uh, really yeah, number seventeen. Watch one episode, you'll know if you're going to like it or not. Yeah, but uh, you know, I would definitely if if you're if you're really into the story, I'd I'd obviously I I can't believe you haven't watched it. And if you know nothing about the story, it's also worthwhile just because it again, it's such an incredible story. Um, and I hope I didn't spoil it too much by by stating what I stated. But all right, number seventeen is Billions. Um, you know, Billions is a kind of a, it's definitely on the downswing, but I still it's still popcorn. It's still enjoyable to watch. There's still comedic moments. Uh, but we're not the ringer, so we're not going to discuss Billions anymore. Do you even watch it? Never seen one second. I mean, that's a mistake. The first season was great. Not for me. All right, number sixteen is a show I just saw on Saturday night. I um I banged through the whole thing. I saw it on Netflix. I heard, heard nothing about it. It's uh it's it's a uh, called Kevin Hart. Don't fuck this up. Yeah, people are saying that it's pretty wild. Well, tell me about it. So I mean, I knew very little about Kevin Hart. I guess I, I enjoy some of his movies, but I don't can't remember anything about them. I thought when he hosted SNL a couple years ago, he did a great job. I've never really been a fan of his stand up. I sort of identify it as like sort of the Dane Cook sort of you know like light you know big stadium sellout kind of stand-up but um watching this i was sort of so i was aware of like i guess i was aware but had forgotten about like you know like the fact that he was he was named to host the oscars and then he had like old offensive tweets to the lgbt community and so then he got fired for that or or you documentary know, he, he are they following, like, I saw are they following vaguely him f- during this during this whole ordeal yeah, yeah. Okay, that's so it follows him during this whole thing. It's produced by him, so obviously that's the perspective. But he's very open to criticism. He, you know, he shows a lot of people criticizing him, um, and um, Terry Crews and Don Lemon and, and whatever else and news reporters and. Um, and I will say this, if nothing else, like he works his ass off. He's the hardest working person in showbiz and he deserves like every dollar that he makes. And so all credit to him for that. Like he's sort of so the opposite of the stereotype of like a of a comic. Yeah, you know? what's the stereotype of a comic? They work hard. They like you know, all across like the like Jeff Ross, like lazy, and they wake up at yeah. two, and you know, and they're self hating. And um, I mean, he he really busts his balls. He's a, he can he comes from from difficult background. He's a, he's a very positive person, 
And again, he's a very he's a very honest and self-critical person, I think. And so it's very interesting. Um, and again, it's the kind of show you can watch on one and a half speed. And you, so you can bang out the whole thing pretty quickly. If you appreciate comedy or if you just uh, appreciate somebody that is a, is a very pro- – like his goal is to be a billionaire and to be a mogul. He's very open about that. <laughs> That's so stupid for me. The so. one thing I'll say, and I have no problem with Kevin Hart, is um, – the richer you get, the worse you become as a comic because you lose so much touch with the world. And we've seen we've seen that with yeah, but that's Eddie why he's Murphy trying to go Chappelle beyond that. He's Seinfeld. becoming a producer. Like yeah, he doesn't just want to be a stand-up. But he won't though. be a stand-up. He like he'll be horrendous. Not for long. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, all right. Uh, number fifteen is Mrs. Fletcher, based on the novel. Mm-hmm. Did you watch this? I saw the first episode. Yeah, you weren't into it. Um, I liked it, but I first of all, it's like a one-time thing. I didn't realize. It's not like. It's one season. So yeah. I, I was like, how committed am I going to be to this? Yeah. So I'll say this. Um, my wife liked it so much that she like then bought the book. Uh, Catherine Hahn is phenomenal. She she's always very good. Mm-hmm. I think um, the story. I think the story pays off in a very satisfying way. I don't want to say anything, but like the first episode, I was really frustrated by a couple things, and a, and some of the characters are a little bit stereotypy. Yeah. But things come together in interesting ways, and and it's it's um. You know, there's developments that are sort of uh, incomplete, which I think is how life is. And I, I don't know. I think I think it did a pretty good job. And um, there's only, I think, what, seven episodes. Um, it's based on a novel. It's uh, It plays very briefly. It plays Catherine Hahn as a mom whose uh, son goes off to college and all of a sudden, like a single mom whose son goes off to college and all of a sudden she's home alone. And, you know, one thing, and I think people have, have pointed this out, like a, a valuable thing this show does is it ta- it shows how like, you know, when we're kids, we really only see things from our perspective, and you don't see things from your parents' perspective at all. And I know, like, when I went, went away to high school, or because I left before college, I went away for high school, it never once entered my head, like, how is this affecting my parents? Um, and, and now I'm a parent, and all of a sudden you see things from the parents' perspective, and this show does a good job of showing both perspectives. Um, so um, I would you know, I would recommend Mrs. Fletcher. It was a good show that my wife and I could watch together. So um, that's number 15. Number 14, Silicon Valley, its final season. Did you watch the show either? Uh, no, I've never seen. I've maybe seen the first episode of Silicon Valley. Did you watch anything no, this I'm year? No, I'm saying that's why I'm not doing a list. I was very clear. Ugh, you're annoying. Yeah. Okay. Um, so Silicon Valley, it, it was not as good. It certainly started better. Um, uh, T.J. Miller was written off the show because he got canceled, and then Thomas Middleditch is doing his best to get himself canceled. Also, uh, meanwhile, Kamel Nanjiani has turned himself into like a superhero. Um, you know, it. I thought it was a it was a satisfying conclusion. Um, it, it sort of ended in a very similar way to the way Veep ended. Mm-hmm. Um, without without too many spoilers, uh, the final season was only what seven episodes. So um, look, if you're not watching Silicon Valley, you're not going to start now. But I always liked Silicon Valley more than Veep, and I thought Veep was a little overrated, frankly. Okay. Uh, which is kind of how I felt uh, between like Parks and Rec and Thirty Rock. I always thought Thirty Rock was better than Parks and Rec, and it was sort of annoyed me that that the general perception was the other way around. But um, this year, um, I have the reverse. I have Veep higher up on my list and Silicon Valley lower. So Veep ended up on a higher note, I thought, and just had the jokes per minute were out of control, whereas Silicon Valley uh, you know, was not as good as its earlier seasons. But it was a satisfying conclusion. Number 13, BoJack Horseman. Have you seen that show? Yes. Except okay. I'm still in the middle of that scene. I'm going to watch I, I st- watch the first few episodes, and because it's coming back in a few weeks, I'm just going to binge the, the rest of them with the... Uh, like so, there's no if there's a if there's a cliffhanger or something, then I could just go straight into the finale. Yeah, so they sort of did um, like Breaking Bad, Game of Thrones style. They've split season six into mm-hmm. two parts. So yeah, so only season six A came out uh, this year in 2019, and then uh, season six B or whatever, like the other half 
of season six is coming out, I think the end of January, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but Bojack's uh, is a phenomenal show, and um, it's um, to to me it, it's it's definitely taken the reins from from you know I guess started from the Simpsons or from the Flintstones I guess to the Simpsons to to Family Guy to South Park is like by far the best animated show, and it just because it's animated, it has the ability to have so many jokes in every in every single scene because you know you can just draw things right. in the background or you know have things float by. And it's, I will uh, say it's very, my very Bojack funny. take is Easy I hate the reference. Puns. I loathe the puns. Oh, they're, I love they're the puns. So like stupid. the signs? No, the, pun, the the signs are fine. No. Everything everything um, the the agent says is the worst thing I've ever heard. No, see, I, I love puns. I'm all about puns. That's why I like um I like my too, they're so too much, obvious. They're the too easy. You could sit in a room. You it's like on the fly. It's one thing, but if you have a year to think of, Keith, I got news for you. We're mid, we're middle aged dads. It's time to embrace the pun no, life. I hate them. <laughs> all right, uh, number twelve, another HBO show, Barry. Oh yeah, that I saw. All right, that's like that's, so okay. far that's my number one show of the year because you haven't mentioned anything else. Okay, uh, now uh, Barry to me is a little overrated because people like go a little bit too bonkers for it in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um oh, I mean what's your take on Barry? Um you know I, I love Henry Winkler. Uh I, I yeah. love I love the Albino I like everyone on that show. Everyone's great. Noho Hank, uh which I think you were about to call the Albino is what Albanian, you were about to call him, right? Say. Oh Albanian. Oh Anthony Kerrigan. He's the funniest character. He's on really TV good. Noho Hank's great. Years. Bill Hader's He's, great. Noho Hank is amazing. Um Steven Root I hate and everything yeah. he does, but that's not a criticism of him. I think he's, he's a really just good actor, it, and so yeah. he plays like really hateable uh, characters. Um, but um, uh, Sarah Goldberg, I think, plays Sally Reed. She does such a good job as like an aspiring actress that when I've seen her in other things, I'm like, oh, good, good for Sally. She's like getting out of shows, so uh, she's playing uh, herself. I guess I don't know. Um, yeah, but Noho Hank really carries this show. Um, Bill Hader is, you know, he plays the straight man. He really doesn't do that much in this show, in terms of as an actor. Uh, it depends also, on the episode. You know, but I hear what the show. You're yeah, um, but but like he's getting nominated for like as an actor, like I don't I don't know if he deserves that. You know, maybe he deserves it for for his other roles in mm-hmm. the show as is the showrunner or whatever. But um, yeah, Noho Hank should win all the awards though. He's he's very very good. Uh, number eleven, Big Mouth. You watching Big Mouth? No, people keep telling me to watch Big Mouth, but uh, I'm probably not going to watch. Yeah, it. it's Kroll and Mulaney. Uh, well, what more do you need? Well, to I think know? it's mostly Kroll. Did you love the Kroll show? What, what do you mean mostly? I don't think Kroll. Mulaney. It's equally. No, Kroll I don't think Mulaney makes it. I think Kroll makes it. Well, Kroll and Mulaney star is the two main characters. I think Mulaney's just a voice. I don't think it's his show. I think it's just a Kroll show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, yeah, um, uh, I don't know. I, it doesn't appeal to me. Middle-aged cartoon kids, that's not that's not my thing. They're not middle-aged. What do you mean? They're teenagers. They're, they're middle, middle school. school. That's what I mean. Well, I call them kids. Oh. The one creepy thing is I do feel a little bit weird as a 36-year-old watching a show about, like, 13-year-old girls having, like, their first, like, periods and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um you know, I, I wonder if I had a kid that age. I guess I should ask like Bill Simmons' kids to come on and tell me what they think. Um, I, I know that Simmons' son is obsessed with the show and like was so excited to meet Nick Kroll and like hear all the voices that Kroll did. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I, I I wonder if I was that age, like how I how I think about it. But it's it, it's sort of it's like Superbad was was very good at showing what it was like to be a teenage boy, and this show goes even a few years younger than that and does it both for boys and for girls. And I think it, that's very uh, it does a good job of that. It's also very very funny. It has a, an amazing cast because it has all their all their comedy friends, obviously like Jason Manzukis and Jenny Slade and mm-hmm. um, Jesse Klein and like you know, so all those people are on it. Um, and yeah, I mean, Big Mouth is very good and it's very funny, so you should be okay. watching it. All right, let's get to the top ten. Sure, number ten. All right, number ten is Veep. All right, I've seen Veep, but I stopped. I stopped when uh, I think I stopped when Iannucci left, even though uh, I don't like him. Even though you're not an Iannucci guy at all. 
Yeah, you never watched um, In the Loop like you were supposed to. One day I will watch that. That's on my list. Yeah. Uh, no, because you don't watch movies after the year That's in which true. they come out. That's true. It would have to be yeah, released. So you'll never watch it. Yeah, Veep. I always again. I always thought Veep was a little bit overrated, but it, it went out with a bang. Season seven was great. Um, it just again the 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 joke the the jokes permitted in the show is out of control. It's a very good show to watch, like clips on YouTube of like um, um, the congressman, what's his name, who's always insulting his uh, his underling. Um, I mean, that can apply to so many people on this show, but um, I forget his name now. It's like it's they're famous com- comedian actors. They're famous like that guys in comedies. Um, anyways, it's it's very very funny, and um, it went out with a bang. So, it, but the problem with Veep is it came out in the Obama era, and it was like this absurd take. And then Trump got elected, and now like Veep is like like less crazy than real yeah, life. I w- yeah, I think. I and agree. yeah, and, and like the Jonah character on Veep is like um, played by uh, Timothy Simons, who who's he's very very good at everything he does. He's such like a great like just like like tall asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, is the way I would describe him. Um, he. Um, uh, he's basically like he plays such an absurd character, but like Trump is even crazier. And so like the show had to like try and keep up with real life, but it's it's very hard to do in the Trump era. So, uh, but Veep did a very good job. Number nine, a show really just for me, Magic for Humans. Uh, I love magic, and so um, this is a Netflix show came is out it kosher? Two, uh, last month. Is it kosher? Yeah, it's to- I've showed. Episodes oh, okay, to my fun. Kids. So I'll watch it with my kids actually. Yeah, uh, yeah, my kids, my kids love magic. Also, uh, they're blown away. But you know, my kids like, you know buy magic for what it's worth more than I do, obviously, because, you know, they're seven and five and three. So, I mean, the three-year-old's too young for the show and the five-year-old even borderline, but the seven-year-old really likes it. Um, the parts I've shown him, it's definitely kosher. Uh, yeah, there's nothing inappropriate about it. And What's it um, called? Magic yeah, so for what? like magic. Magic for okay. humans. It's very lighthearted. It's not, it's not, it's not the best like magic I've ever seen, but he, it's, he does a very good job of, it, it, he's got some humanity to it and he's got a good job of appealing to like a wide audience. Like you could, it's a show you could watch with okay. your own family. So, our number eight is Fleabag. Are you a Fleabag I watched the first episode and I said, I'm sure I would like this, but I'm not going to continue. Okay, so I watched the whole of Fleabag in 2019, so I, I'm a little, don't remember exactly which part was, was which mm-hmm. season. Um, but, you know, uh, Fleabag probably overrated in that it's just, it's winning all the awards and, and, and Phoebe uh, Bridge, uh, what's her name? Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She's, uh, she was on the short list for, for winning 2019, yeah. but she did not win it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I mean, she won like award after award after award at the Emmys, and I don't know. It, it's funny. My wife hates the show because my wife thinks it's like a very anti-feminist show. Um, which I try to explain to my wife, like, so if you don't show a woman like purely in a positive light, you're an anti-feminist show. Like, isn't it isn't it feminist that that you have a female anti-hero protagonist? But Jen's like, but she's a loser. I'm like, uh, anyway. So, uh, Jen was not a big fan of Fleabag. Okay. Uh, let's get to number seven, which is a woman who is insanely successful. Um, in 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 the show, the character is uh, to an absurd, unrealistic level. Uh, Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, I haven't seen the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, not gonna watch it. No interest. But tell me about it. Oh, so well, I mean. Now, I, I did not like Gilmore Girls, um, or I, I mean, I haven't seen Gilmore Girls, to be fair, um, so I guess maybe I would like it, but, uh, so it's made by the same people, um, it, you know what it's about, what, why you're not interested in it. Because uh, it's old. Only The only things that are interesting are things that take place in the present. What do you, oh, so you, oh, because it's set in yeah, the 50s? Yeah, who cares about the 50s? <laughs> okay, um... So, first of all, because I, I love comedy, so I will watch any show about comedy. Like, I watched that show on Showtime that Jim Carrey produced about comedy that no yeah, one else watched. Yeah, you are truly. I, really like I, think it's, I think it's back. No, I thought it was canceled. Oh, it's, it I is? Thought, uh, maybe it's not. That would be amazing news, because I love it. Oh, it I, really thought, I thought I saw it on the streaming sites, but maybe they were just re-uploading old episodes, but it was it was there. Oh, okay. 
Um, yeah, uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel is very good. It's it's annoying how she is like so perfect in every like she's she's like the best comedian of all time, and she has like no downs in her career. Her career is just up up mm-hmm. up up up. Uh, I love the guy who plays Lenny Bruce. He's been in a bunch of other stuff also. Um, I you know it's it, it's it's light. It's sort of a snacky show. It's not like it's not deep. Um, it tries to be it sometimes, but it's not because it's it's but it's very colorful. Honestly, like I watch so many shows that are so dark, like literally, like the screen is so dark, mm-hmm. and it's nice like the to battle in Game of like Thrones. Past- yeah, exactly. I, li- I like to watch shows once in a while that have bright mm-hmm. colors and you know are chirpy and peppy and so uh, th- th- definitely Mrs. Maisel is that. Number six is I think the show that when I did the uh, the mid season like the mid year show rankings in in like May I think this is my number one show of the year at the time was When Heroes Fly. Yeah, but wasn't this a 2018 show? No, it came out it came out on Netflix in January. Okay, so then this is also in my this is my top two with Barry. Oh, okay. So, oh, so you yeah, actually yeah, saw yeah. My it. wife and I watched it. It's the only show we've binged successfully in the last fifteen years. Yeah. Now, I will say this: I've listened to like one person I know who really dislikes the show, and and the reasons he gave me, I think apply. Like the second half of the season is not as good as the first half. Of the yeah, season. some episodes are much better than others for sure. Yeah, it becomes a little bit. You know, I don't want to spoil anything, but it becomes a little bit absurd. But the first half of the season is so good, and just the broader idea of a group of soldiers who went through trauma and come together like ten years later. So we had a um, we had this um, there's this organization that that brings um, old um, Israeli combat units who have who have experienced trauma. It's sort of 10 years later, it brings them together um, in another country, either in England or America. They bring them together for like a week of intense group mm-hmm. therapy. And um, and so they they these guys um, were in our neighborhood a couple of weeks ago. And so we hosted two guys in our house for a week and we were talking to them and they were ta- and I mentioned the show to them. And I almost felt embarrassed doing it because usually like you talk to someone who really did something about mm-hmm. a show based on that world. And they'll, it's oh, like meeting someone from Baltimore. So and your first question is you like the wire. Yeah. Exactly, but they told me these two guys. Anyways, I can't speak for anyone else. They loved the show so much, and one of them said how the show affected him so much that he had a son right after he saw the show, and he named his son after one of the main characters wow, of the show. That's weird. So, um, and they talked about like you know, just the idea of how this trauma, when when you're in the military or undergo any kind of you know stressful uh, group experience. That you never, you know, if you don't address it, it can really like sort of haunt you psychologically for years. And and whether it's literally PTSD or just, you know, it sort of affects your life and puts a cloud over your life in a lot of ways. And and to come together years later and try and resolve those things. And so uh, that's literally what these guys were doing in my house for a week. And so um, they um, they talked about how. So when heroes fly, is uh, it's a show. Uh, I would just I would really recommend it, even if uh, the the latter episodes get a little bit absurd in some mm-hmm. ways. Number five, uh, similar to Fleabag in that it's a show, it's a comedy based in uh, London uh, that I saw the whole series this year, so I forget uh, which part was the final season in 2019, but Catastrophe. Yeah, no, I hate Rob Delaney, so I wouldn't watch it. Yeah, so I, I dislike Rob Delaney, like the, his char- like his real-life character that mm-hmm. he plays. He's like, he's, he's a jerk. Um, he, was, he, was like, he was one of the original funny people on Twitter in like 2010, and then he just became like insufferable, I thought. Mm-hmm. But um, he's very likable on the show. And I thought the show does a very good job of, of showing like a, a marriage with warts and all. And I mean, I hope watchers who are married, their marriage is better than uh, the, the marriage in this show. Mine certainly is. But but it's still interesting to see even in a marriage that isn't always great. The fact that they do manage to stick together and, um, you know, you do see some parts of, of your marriage uh, in this show, I thought. So um, if you're married, I would recommend Catastrophe. I have a nit with how the final the, the how the final episode, how the series ends. Uh, if anyone wants to DM me privately, we can discuss that. I don't want to spoil it. But um, there's something mildly annoying to me about how mm-hmm. it ends. Um, all right, number four, Russian Doll. Tell me you've seen Russian no, Doll. No, there's no way. Come on. <sighs> well, you think why? that's the one I'm going to have seen you... of these 20 Russian Doll? 
Why why would you not have seen I Russian mean, doll? I mean, Russian it's called Russian doll. Like first of all, I called it a babushka doll when you bought cuz that's your your uh, birthday present for your wife was a, the doll. Yeah. And, but it's really a Russian nesting doll, but then someone else called it a babushka doll to me. So maybe that's a thing. Uh no. Uh tell me about Russian doll. I don't know. It's it's uh who does it star again? Nat- uh, Natasha okay. Leo. Ramaz graduate or at least Ramaz attendee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who first, uh, I think we probably first became famous star generation from American Pie, right? Well, Natasha Leone, like, it, it is an amazing story because she was like out of Hollywood and like half dead basically for a decade and made this miraculous yeah. comeback. Spoiler alert, by the way. Yeah. Everything you just said is a huge spoiler for the show. Yeah, but that's like her, <laughs> that's like her Wikipedia page. Oh, oh, so it's based uh, on her? I, I no so it's not, does, it's not set in Russia? No, no, it's, it's not based on her at all. Just the exact words you just said... It, uh, if you've seen the show, you know why what Akiva just okay, said is very whatever. funny. And if you haven't, yeah, um, I I knew what I knew about the show is that it's Natasha Leone. It takes place in New York City, and I was told it's very New York. It's very Jewish. And if you're interested, so in I New thought York it was set Jews, in Russia or like something. A, so maybe I'll check it out. No, it's it's in. No, it's it's got nothing to do with Russia. Well, the, the, I mean, she's she she plays a Russian who a a, a Russian born in Russia girl Jewish girl who lives in New York. But that's just who okay, she's in real life, and she's a doll. And her accent sort of gives that away in real life, so that's who she plays okay. in the show. Um, it's it's phenomenal. Right, so I'll check out Russian. I, doll. I knew nothing. I knew nothing about it coming in. Um, so don't tell me. I'll, I'll watch the first it. episode. Yeah, sweet birthday baby. Um, yeah. So uh, Russian doll. I I I knew. I thought I knew about it. It turns out I knew less than than okay. I thought I did, and I really All enjoyed right. it. It's on my list. Yeah. It's actually on my, Russian it's on my doll. Yeah. Okay. And also, again, it's easy to bang out because it's. Is it still it's, going? Um, it's one season. It's seven. It's it's seven episodes of one season. Eight episodes. Is it, is like it coming eight back? Episodes. And it's half hour each. Is it coming back? Um, yes. On June 11, twenty nineteen, Netflix renewed the series for a second season. When did it? When, when did it first air? June. Uh, when was the first season? When did it debut? Uh, February of last oh, year. So we're probably oh, looking yeah. at the summer. Feb- okay. Yeah. Um, it also halfway through the season it becomes a totally. It's yeah, insane that Netflix about, makes eight episodes, but it takes fifteen. Like it's never twelve months later. It's always like a year plus, you know, after everyone's finished watching it. It's always like sixteen months, and then eventually they miss a year. It's very stupid what Netflix does. Yeah, I mean, I don't like the fact that they dump everything at once. I just think that it doesn't create buzz the way that a you know, lot of the people who week. listen to this podcast in Rob's world are watching a, sh- a show now. Netflix is dipping its toe in reality. And they started a new show where they're releasing like three episodes a week for, you know, three or four weeks. So they are okay. they are experimenting with it because people were talking about how yeah. Disney Plus had a big hit with the Baby Yoda show with the Mandalorian uh, that people were talking yeah. about every week. And I, I know Netflix really took I mean, this was this was they were doing this anyway. But I know Netflix is, uh, you know, is, you know. Just no matter how big a show is, you can't dominate the zeitgeist if you're to drop all more than a week. Once, yeah. If Stranger Things did like time. two episodes a week, it'd be all anybody would talk about for six weeks. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of a show that everybody talked about every week, um, Game of Thrones, number three on my list. The odds the before this year season, that Game of Thrones were not one or two, and first of all, they shouldn't even be on your list. But the odds that Game of yeah, Thrones, I mean, which I guess like it's only the third show here I've seen its entirety that you've mentioned. I, yeah. I every day that Game of Thrones goes by, it gets worse and worse. The final season. Look, I, I'm I'm going to try and live in a world, and I know like you know, some like Av and Amir are definitely on the other side, and they love the final season. And they it's try not to even a take. It's like, like, do you realize Bran got to be was named king at the end because he has the best story? Yeah, s- spoiler alert. But yeah, it's 
the final season was abysmally bad. I don't mind where they should, got we have to. to put, just, now you have to put like a Game of Thrones didn't establish spoiler it. at the beginning of the season. Yeah, it, it should have. They needed another four seasons to, to do what they did in the last season. In earlier seasons, one you know one conversation would be an entire episode, and in in season seven they like did like fifteen years worth. Here's of where it got. Here's like why it got worse, Alex. It got worse because because they mailed it and they're ready to move. No, on no, no, no. I'm saying really six months later after worse. the show was over, why it got worse because they yeah. mailed it in to create a Star Wars trilogy that they immediately got fired from. Immediately, <laughs> they rushed. They yeah, I don't know anything about Star Wars. Yeah, okay, so I about do I? They rushed the yeah. show because they were hired to, I'm sure, get paid more money to do the Star Wars trilogy. And then the Game of Thrones, uh, uh, you know, what's it called? Like, the, the, there were so many haters out there that, that Star Wars backtracked and fired them. The saddest thing to me about how Game of Thrones ended is that HBO was ready to pump out like a million different Game of Thrones mm-hmm. spinoffs. And the final season was so bad that it sort of killed. The I think they will. I think they like always intended to make one. I hope they it was will. like I mean, look, the, the Godfather Part One and Part Two are two of the best. What three or four movies of all time? Mm-hmm. And Part Three is like unwatchably terrible. Um, what I've does that have to do with several times still? But it's it's really really bad. Uh, you know, Bill Simmons says the same thing about Rocky Four. I was never into the Rocky, so I don't. So you're really saying you can come back? There's Fowler. no Godfather Four that came back though. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying, like, just because, like, the final, like, so the final season of Game of Thrones sucks, but, like, the first six seasons were so No, okay, that's fine. And so that's incredible. Fine. Yeah, but we're ranking seasons yeah. now, so this shouldn't even be in the top yeah. 50. Like, if you're saying you want me to rush Russian, Russian doll, it better, be, about it, it better like, be better than Game of Thrones. Yeah, listen, like, if I was ranking the top quarterbacks, I would still have Tom Brady near the top, even though I hate him, and even though he's not so good this year. So you'd have Tom Brady 2019 as the third best quarterback in the NFL. No, but um, yeah. So who would you uh, rather have for one? By the way, we have not discussed football yet. It's the playoffs, and we're running out of time on this. Episode. Yeah, you said to start with uh, with. Um, I realized it was a mistake. So okay. TV. Yeah. All right. Number two is our boys, uh, the HBO show. Did you no, watch this? no, it's too, it's too close to home. Who wants to watch that? Yeah. So it, it, it was. So no one involved on either is, side watched it. I can assure you. What do you mean, no one? Involved? Saying like nobody who like lived through it would want to watch it. It was too soon. Well, let me say it's like thirty years the idiots later. Idiots who criticize it. it on both, like most of the idiots who criticize it uh, from both the Israeli and the Palestinian perspectives, it certainly didn't watch mm-hmm. it. I, I thought it, it's it, it's the reason that I thought it was such a good show. So very briefly, it's about in two thousand fourteen. Um, Just tell them to uh, Google three, it because let's uh, talk about football. Fine. Okay. So, Google but articles. the point is, that it's about a true story that happened in two thousand fourteen um, in in Israel, um, and it's um, it's a procedural. But, but by the way, just to be clear, there's an HBO show, is, not an Israeli show, if, like in case people are, have never heard of it. It's an HBO show. It's in English, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, is it in English or is there I subtitles? Remember. I didn't see it. I don't, I don't remember either now. Cause it's I, your I number two. It's so your number, I, what are you, why are you blind? Deaf? No, I, I always watch the subtitles. Subtitles are great because you pick up so much, you pick up subtleties. Yeah, and I'll you tell you why I don't like it because a lot of times they come on before the words are said and it ruins it. Well, okay, so I, for, for comedy, it's yeah. not good. That's true. But I'll give you an example. I've noticed something recently. Um... There's a lot of movies and TV shows have song selections mm-hmm. for like where the song is a subtle hint at something, but I would never pick it up because I don't mm. know the names of any songs. But now because on the captions, because it says the name of the song, I'm like, oh, I get it. Oh, that's why they're playing that because this song is called Blake and that's a reference to what – yeah. So that's the kind of thing you pick up. I also like how sometimes you'll notice um, dis- uh, decisions that the actors have made to, to change their line subtly because the line and the caption is different than what the line of what the actor I don't, says. I, you think they're sending them so, the script? I'm not sure how that works. I think it's just a mistake in the transcription service. Mm, I, I, I think it, I, I think it's – 
pretty clearly based on the script is, is my okay. perspective because they're not mistake like well whatever it doesn't matter that that's that's what what's I your number one show of the of, tw- of the- all right so anyway so our boys i just i really liked our boys i thought so it's 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 like a straight procedural in a certain sense but then it layers on top of it sort of the poli- the like the, the 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 geopolitics of it but then it layers on top of that like the internal struggles of people like what it means like what who your loyalty is to and what side mm-hmm. you're on and and um, and by the way, for those you know in sort of the the, the Jewish or the pro-Israel world, like I don't think at all it portrays Israel in a bad light. Mm-hmm. I think it it portrays Israelis dealing with conflict, and it shows you know good people and bad people. And it's certainly like you know I didn't feel like it was harmful to like the perception okay. of Israel. Okay, what's like number one for those? Uh, number one to me is Succession. Uh, again, no spoilers because I'm only this... two episodes in with my wife. Still. <laughs> all right. So the, the the strict order again. It's anything. But I love the first two episodes. But I, so. honestly. Uh, I was shocked that it's a 60-minute show and not a 30-minute show. And after watching two episodes, I kind of want it to be a 30-minute show. Yeah, it's not – It's first of all, I, I love the, the opening theme song. If we yeah, did a it's theme a great song theme bracket, song. I, yeah, I, I have it in my head right now, like the tinkling piano there. Um, the acting is great. A couple of the characters are great. I, some of it, again, like the Rowan character, the the the, the um, Culkin character. Is that Macaulay Culkin? Which Culkin is that? I don't know. Kieran Culkin? Yeah. Uh, whichever one it is um, he is so annoying and so unrealistic like a person like that would never be allowed to be the head of a major organization but then again you look at like Trump and you're like oh well, maybe he would like you know um, so it's um, it's a little bit soapy at sometimes and it's funny because like like Succession and Billions were very similar to me a couple of years ago and Billions keeps going down Succession keeps going up is it my number one show of the year no it's really not but again I didn't put that much thought into my rankings it's just it's a show I right now it's probably the show when a new episode comes out that I'm more excited for than any other Right, like I'm looking at this list. Like, no, I'd be very excited to watch it if uh, this chick here was ever willing to watch it with me. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's probably it's it's not my number one show of the year, but it's my if a new episode comes out on Sunday night. Okay, it's the so first show you I'm ranked it number one. It's not your number one show of the year. Got it. Your number three show was, yeah. well, was again, admittedly garbage. It's not about the rankings. It's about anything on my list is a show that I recommend watching and is a show I love talking about. The so Seal if you've seen any of the twenty shows I mentioned today and you want to chat with someone about it, please DM. Well, okay, me, wow. I'll be happy to chat. Wow. Um, all right, let's talk about football so people don't complain. Let's go in chronological sure. order. Uh, by the way, do you remember? Right, so at the forty-minute mark, we finally we did started it. talking. We played about a game uh, where one of us got to pick. I think it was five teams, and the other one got the rest of the of the teams. Do you remember who picked who? I picked. Uh, no, I don't remember anything. Okay, you didn't write it down. <laughs> I think we did it on episode. We had a guest on the episode, but I don't remember what we said. Did, oh, maybe Av was in the background. Do, who wrote it down? Nobody. All right, whatever. Um, I, I did write it down somewhere. I just All right, fine. We'll get back to that. Anyway, uh, so Buffalo, Texas. Let's start by talking about that game. Okay, so I mean, there's Buffalo, really nothing Texas, to say. Like, excuse it, me. It's a lock every year that the early game on Saturday will be the AFC for the matchup that involves either the Bengals or the Texans. Um, uh, the Bills are, you know, the Bills have only made the playoffs twice this century. Such a bad matchup that the league, into that the spot. league had to do two AFC games on Saturday just because they were obviously going to give the night game to the Patriots. Yeah, they've never done this before in the NFL where they split up the conferences on Saturday and Sunday, but then they don't do it. Yeah, the no, it's round, fine to do it. They just have to do over, it on Saturday, too, which is completely screwing over the lower seed in the but, NFC. Next for week, the sake of CBS or Fox, which would have been mad to have two games in one day. Yeah, um, so yeah, that's annoying. Um, but anyway, um, what else? What well, who do you like? Let's, um, let's, I mean, do, I, I just, let's do spread and, and winner here. Okay, I just, I don't, yeah, so I don't have a strong opinion about 
this game just because because I don't care about this game honestly, and I'm not going to see it because it's you know it starts before Shabbat's over, and I guess I'll watch the second half. But I'll be rooting for the Texans. I think the Bills are going to win. I think the Bills will win outright. Mm -hmm. Oh wow! So uh, are you are you putting money on that? Uh, no, not not a hundred million dollars or anything, but I I am predicting it. Do you have our uh, uh, updated with bowl results uh, money money situation? Yes, okay. I do. All right. So last week you bet on a whole bunch of bowls. Yeah, you did not do well in your bowl yeah, bets. I know. You did really well in the bowl <laughs> pool. You almost won that thing. And uh, are the pool? Oh, uh, shoot. We should have. We should have. Can you actually uh, start the episode with with a uh, with a message? Can you like? Yeah. Uh, I want to. I want to plug the four and one uh, NFL playoff pool. We're doing a playoff pool. Is yeah. the only chance we get to do it. No, well, this is the start of the football part of the podcast. I'll say in the show notes, go to the 40 minute mark. Yeah. So, okay. the, 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 yeah, so anyone who cares about football will hear it, and anyone who doesn't care about football will No, probably people shut anyway, off the podcast because so. they were so mad we weren't talking about football, and then they didn't go to the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 4 and one uh, okay, playoff yeah. pool. Hit us up for details. Uh, if you're interested, uh, four pools in one should be fine. Um, uh, yeah, I, I messed up on the balls. Oh, our pool of pools. We did uh, uh, 12 months, one pool a month, massive pool uh, with a bunch of people. And it came down to the last day of the year, well, January 1st, a Michigan-Alabama game. And uh, the, yeah. the, the, literally the pool was decided on the last day. Um, yeah. And it's crazy that, that a guy had essentially $2,500 riding on a Michigan covering on a spread that they had no chance of covering. And yet he decided not to uh, hedge or split it or anything. No, I haven't like heard from them. I don't know them. Yeah. Um, all right, now um, has the Gator Bowl? When is the Gator Bowl? Is that yeah? Tonight? We I cut that pool off at January first, but there's two more bowls tonight, and like more yeah, the whole okay, weekend so, basically. So, so do you know when the, the championship game is not um, for like over a week? Yeah. All right. You 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 bet a hundred million on Oklahoma to cover. Uh, that obviously did not work out uh, in the uh, first no. half. Um, so you lost hundred million there. You put, you you put a hundred million on Clemson to cover. Mm -hmm. They covered. So congratulations. Mm -hmm. You put Iowa. So you're up a hundred million now. That's two wins mm -hmm. and a loss. You had Wake Forest. Against MSU. They lost and did yeah. not cover, so that's two mm -hmm. and two. Oregon, you won, so uh, you're up uh, uh, three to mm -hmm. two. And then you bet $200 million on Louisiana Tech. So you're actually up $300 million so far. So that's okay, great. Bad. I'm crushing it. So even if yeah, if, if, if Tennessee doesn't cover, then you're still up $200 million. And if Tennessee covers, you're only up to $400 million. So, uh, so you, didn't, you did not do good in your bulls overall, but, but your best bets on our podcast. You didn't do too badly, actually. Should we do uh, – the only thing is I think I might be doing Renap during like the second the Vikings game ends I was wondering should we do uh if the Vikings have like a heartbreaking loss like they last time they played the Saints and they had a uh uh the opposite of heartbreaking loss they had an exciting win yeah. we went straight into a podcast yeah. it would be nice to do it then yeah but uh maybe you'll record your thoughts yeah maybe I mean, if there's something crazy happens you could just record a rant yeah, we'll, for 15 we'll see, we'll see if something crazy happens um you know I'm sure it probably will but all right, uh, so okay, so let's go back to Buffalo and Houston so you're picking Buffalo to go into Houston and win so you're obviously picking them to cover yes. as well I'm going to pick Houston to win this game. I just, you know, it's sort of my feeling about Josh Allen is kind of like my feeling of Andy Dalton, who usually plays in this game, which is even if he has a decent regular season, do I trust him in the playoffs? Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, who, who's do I trust Brown? And I mean, who are their, like, offensive weapons? I right? love that Watt's coming back. That's exciting to me. Yeah, that is. Now, what he'll be at, we'll have to mm -hmm. see. Obviously, I'd like to see him at full strength. Um, I mean, look, if he's at full strength, that, that Houston is a – a contender in the mm -hmm. AFC, which is good because we we need more contenders in the AFC. So, um, and that's part of you know I think Houston's going to win because Houston's the only team like Houston has a chance to go into um, Baltimore and win. I'm not saying they're going to, but they have a chance. Buffalo has no chance in hell. Houston has a chance to go into Baltimore and win. Buffalo has no chance. I would agree with that. 
Yeah. So, but I, but you're picking Buffalo to win this game. I'm picking Houston to win this game. So glad to know we have disagreement right off the mm-hmm. bat there. Uh, by the way, last week um, I went 14 and two picking winners and losers. You went 11 and five. Um, wow. You uh, we had a lot of disagreements and you lost uh, three so you more the than I did. So. Well, we go into the into the into the playoffs as well. Yeah. So yeah. So I won seven weeks. You won six weeks. I'm up six games on you overall. But um, you know, if but uh, playoff games wins, triple. Take a lead here. Yeah. Now let me. I want to say something else, and I was going to say this for the Vikings game, but we can discuss this for all the games because that uh, this is also relevant for the upcoming uh, Tennessee New England game, which is the Saturday mm-hmm. night game. So there's this narrative in the NFL, which uh, I think you push it more than I do, but a lot of people push it, which is it's all about the quarterbacks, and whoever has the better quarterback is going to win, right? And that's sort of the narrative. You need to have a good quarterback. You need to have a good quarterback. You know, if you have a good quarterback, you win. If you don't have a good quarterback, you lose. The Minnesota talk radio and Minnesota Vikings Twitter and Vikings podcasting world is just apoplectic. They're so pissed. They hate this team right now. They want Zimmer fired, which is bonkers. The new thing is they want Zimmer fired so they can hire yeah, Stefanski. People have been saying, well, because they think Stefanski's going to leave and, and he's the coach in waiting. Look, I advocated once upon a time that Brad Childress should have been fired and Mike Tomlin should have been hired in his place. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, my argument was the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, one of the most model franchises in football for 50 years. They'd had two coaches in the previous, what, 35, 40 years. If they're interested in your defensive coordinator, you fire your coach and you hire that defensive right. coordinator. And I stand by that take. Obviously, Childress turned out to not be very good, and and Tomlin, you know, won a Super Bowl, and you know, has been good for a decade plus since then, um, notwithstanding some of his, you know, uh, sh- uh, in-game shortcomings. Um, I do not feel that way right now. I- I'm aware of Zimmer's shortcomings, and Stefanski apparently is a little bit more of, a, uh, of an analytical eye and has some advantages. But no, you do not fire Zimmer under any circumstance, and you do not fire him to, to hire Stefanski. So I disagree okay. with that. Um, but I want to talk about this better quarterback thing. So I went and looked at the last two years. And then I ended up going further back. But in the last two years, the team with the better quarterback of the 22 playoff games, how many times do you think well, they've won? Well, because you're saying this, I'm going to say 11 to 11. Yeah, no. So, And I'm saying better quarterback based on that mm-hmm. year, right? Because it can't just be career because, like, well, then who was the better quarterback when Peyton Manning placed Cam Newton in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl? Like, well, Peyton Manning had the better career. But Cam Newton was the MVP yeah. that year, and Peyton Manning, you know, was, mm-hmm. was terrible. So it's, it's who's the better quarterback that year. Uh, the better quarterback has won only nine wow. games. The worst quarterback has won 13 mm. games. Now, part of that is we had, like, the freak example of Nick Foles, right, uh, two sure. years ago, uh, you know, going to the Super Bowl in a season in which he came in late in the year for Wentz and was complete garbage. And then, he, you know, he outplayed Brady and he outplayed – Okay, um, but uh, I hear what you're, everything you're saying is interesting. So Tannehill versus Brady, which is the game we're about to talk about, who's the better quarterback? Yeah. A cor- well, Tannehill's clearly a better quarterback this wow. year. I mean, it's – do I think that – and that's why I brought up the Cam Newton versus Peyton Manning thing because everybody says, oh, well, Peyton Manning's the way – or Tom Brady's way better than Ryan Tannehill. Obviously, no one disagrees with you based on the history of their careers. But this year, there's no way to make that argument. Tannehill's been better by every single metric you could possibly find, mm-hmm. right? Is he going to lay an egg in the playoffs immediately? Possibly. Even if he, he's obviously playing a far better defense than Brady's playing. And so, you know, Tannehill could outplay Brady in this game quarterback to quarterback, and New England will still win, and that's probably the most likely scenario. But, Are you picking um, the Patriots to win? The, no, I'm picking the Patriots to win. Yeah, it, this really will come into play more for um, for the NFC games, I think, which we'll get to in a second. But um, oh, so so then so yeah, so nine and thirteen is the record for the better quarterback the last two years. But I kept going backwards. So the previous year, 2016, mm-hmm. the better quarterbacks went nine and two. So that was much okay. chalkier. And then I went back all the way for the previous decade. So from 2017 to two, uh, from 2018 to 2009. So the last ten years of, of playoff yeah. games. Overall, the better quarterback went went 62 and 48. Okay, so it was more of a one or two year blip, an anomaly. So yeah, so overall, so overall, the better quarterback wins fifty six percent of the time, but fifty six percent of the time is not a huge no. advantage. Now, obviously, sometimes home the field quarterbacks advantage. is very close, yeah. right? 
like you know Russell Wilson and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. They were both you know elite quarterbacks that year. Or Aaron Rodgers against right. Matt Ryan. You know, but 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 sometimes there's a much bigger gap. So it's over. It's only fifty six percent. So the point is that that there's this idiotic narrative that I've been hearing in Vikings land. Like you know, like they were defending Zimmer for. And again, I don't think Zimmer should be fired, but they were defending Zimmer for his playoff failings by saying, well, he's had the worst quarterback in every single game that he's ever court coached in the playoffs. And so, first of all, that's not true. Like, um, Case Keenum against Nick Foles, at least that year, Keenum was yeah. much better than Foles. Listen, um, Mark Sanchez so a, has beaten true. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Philip Rivers yeah, in the playoffs. exactly. But also, that, that's the point. Yeah, so the Jets come in here and, and they ruin this because, you know, Sanchez won a bunch of games as, as, uh, in two different playoffs in the last decade. Um the point is, like, this Flacco. idea that the better quarterback is almost always going to win in the playoffs, that's simply not true. The better quarterback wins a little more than half the time. And so this week, you have three of the favorites have, you know, Deshaun Watson, obviously much better than Josh Allen, uh, Drew Brees better than Kirk Cousins, and Russell Wilson better than Carson Wentz. And in all three of those games, the better quarterback is favored. But it's not it's not because of the quarterback necessarily that that team mm-hmm. is favored, I don't think. Um, I mean, uh, Seattle-Philly probably is the most extreme example of where it is. But um, and, then I, and then again, in New England-Tennessee, Ryan Tannehill's been much better this year. Um, but that's, you know, I don't think that's why, uh, I don't think New England's favored because of Tom Brady, obviously. So the point is, I just, I don't like this narrative that it's all about the quarterback because we see, we see Joe Flacco's and Nick Foles and, and mediocre quarterbacks play well, or Eli Manning, mediocre quarterbacks play well in the playoffs all the time. And we see good quarterbacks, you know, play well but lose. So um, I don't think it's all about the quarterback. But having said all of that, um, I the Patriots going to win this game. Okay. Having said all that, I think the Titans win. Yeah, wow. I think the Titans are going to beat the Patriots. The dynasty is over. And that's because they have the better quarterback? No, I just I, – <laughs> I don't think the, the Patriots are going to – you know, I think they may be able to slow down Henry and Brown, but I, I don't think they're going to be able to score enough points to beat the Titans. Yeah, I mean, Derrick Henry's been out of control lately. Um Steen, by the way, in our AFL, uh, did not play Derrick Henry uh, in the final week of the season. Very odd, because he only had uh, 40 points, like 200-something yards. And um, but he had missed the previous game. and uh, I thought about benching him, because he was really, like, looked iffy all week, and then they took him off the injury yeah. report, but I did put him in. Uh, so, the, yeah. yeah, I have the Titans winning, obviously covering. I have New England winning, and I have New England covering. Okay. I, I think it'll be, like, 21-13. to, to 13. I think that Tannehill is uh, who we thought he was. So, my my uh, final four in the AFC would be Tennessee, Baltimore, KC, Buffalo. Yeah, so in that case, so then you'd have Buffalo going to face Kansas just, City and just, Tennessee going to face. Yeah so, yeah, so, yeah, you wouldn't even have Houston going to Kansas right, to, to Baltimore anyways because you, you, you have sort the 6 want the yeah. New England-Houston, you know, Baltimore-KC matchups. Yeah, I mean, the Vikings are the biggest underdog this week, but to me, Tennessee is by far the least likely to It would be the biggest like, story, for like, sure. I mean, at the, the Vikings just, the day, got, like, a, just got a schedule, went, like a bad schedule. Like, they're playing a one-seed caliber team as the three-seed. Yeah, but we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, but, I mean, the, the Tennessee Titans went, like, 9-7 and seven this year. They go 9-7 and seven every year, yeah. right? I'll say this. I mean, this uh, but is, right now they're this is literally like, the four, this is the fourth year in a row that the Titans went nine and seven. Yeah, but they didn't. They you know, they they had they, they never coaches. had a receiver. Now they've Adrian Brown. They had Mariota all four years. Yeah, Daniel's playing better. Uh, Henry's forever reason playing the best ball of his career. These Alabama running backs some for some reason get better with age. Speaking of Alabama running backs, the team that the. Uh, By the way, the defense though was much worse. Than yeah, the defense is just a slightly above average defense, Tennessee. Um, yeah, it's weird that the Patriots drafted a, a running back in the third round from who played at Alabama and basically have given him, I think, like two snaps all season. Uh, it would be so Belichick-like to give him 18 snaps this week to 18. The, the way that the Patriots have drafted skill position guys in general, I mean, their receivers, they just whiff time after mm-hmm. time after time. I mean, Harry might end up being good, but but not yet. Well, this is certainly not yet. And he's he has opportunities because they need somebody. So Yeah, so news. Um, is, yeah, is so I, I have New England winning this game. Uh, I, you know, do I think the Patriots are going to win the Super Bowl? No. KC um, is know, lucky because obviously KC can't play Tennessee. But if Tennessee beats 
New England, yeah. that's the last play. Team All right. So let, yeah. So let's go to this Viking Saints game. So obviously, I have a lot. I have a lot to say about this game. Um, so I'll start off as you said. I mean, the Saints are they're, the Saints are thirteen and three and are the three seed, which is insane. Um, the Vikings also got incredibly, incredibly um, bad luck with the way that the uh, final regular season game ended because if Sam, if Seattle had pulled that off, the Vikings would have played Seattle and then uh, Green Bay, which is the worst. Which is the worst and the second worst teams uh, in the NFC? I think of the playoff teams. Instead, they have to play New Orleans and San Francisco, which is the best and the second best. So, it, it, I mean, the Vikings would have, and you pointed this out a couple of weeks ago, but the Vikings would have the toughest road of any wild card team ever if they were yeah. to go to the Super Bowl, which they're, they're not, not going, going to. But, um, but on the other hand, I'm not really that upset about it because my feeling is like the season wasn't meant to be anyways, and if it is meant to be, then we got to go through these teams mm-hmm. anyway. So, you know, let's do it. Um, so people in Minnesota are all convinced this game is going to end forty-four to seventeen. I have thirty to like sixteen the, the sky, down to the score. Yeah, the sky is falling, and and that's why the spread is so big. And it it's kind of insane because before that loss to the Packers, which was a bad, they were five and a half point favorites at home. You know, by every metric, they were a better team than the Packers on neutral field. The Packers, who were two seed and thirteen and three, like that was a terrible game. And the Vikings have had two and a half terrible games this year. They had a terrible game against Chicago early in the year. They had a terrible game at home against Green Bay. And then they had a terrible first quarter against Green Bay um, you know, in mm-hmm. week two. Other than those two games in a quarter, they've played excellently all year. I mean, not every facet of their team. Like, their, 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 their cornerbacks have sucked. But, like, overall as a team, like, by advanced stats, the Vikings going into the Green Bay game were the second best team in the NFC behind San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And so... Like there's this little bit of sky is falling. I think it's a little bit like the Minnesota Vikings Twitter world and, and podcast world is just like out of control. Like okay, they had a bad game against Green Bay. Everybody's had a bad game this year, right? Like there's there's no team. Baltimore lost at home to Oakland, got blown out. They lost to Oakland and Cleveland. They got blowout losses twice this year, yeah. right? And Baltimore I think has the best point differential of all time mm-hmm. this year. Like every single team had bad games this year, and um, you know the, the Vikings did not. The Vikings did not have Eric Hendricks against Green Bay, there who was you know people were talking about as a defensive player of the year candidate. Uh, they did not have Delvin Cook um, or his backup Alexander Madison, and Adam Thielen still was banged up. So I think if all of those guys are healthy, there, there's no way the Vikings should be seven and a half. Thielen is not himself. Game. And like I don't think there's it's reason. So that's the big question. So Thielen since since his injury has not played has not done anything. Is he injured? Is he not injured? He claims he's 100%. That's a big if because the Vikings have the worst third receiver in the NFL. And so if Thielen's out, then it just digs nobody else. Um, so that's a huge problem. Um, the offensive line was good all year. Cousins was barely touched, and then they were just abysmally awful in that game against the Packers. Now, the Saints, you know, I think that the most important player in this game, well, I, I guess it's probably Cousins, but the second most important player in this game is probably Jordan Cameron. Why? Well, because if he's getting pressure, like if he's getting pressure on the Vikings, then they're going to be in a lot of trouble. And and Riley Reef, you know, has to be able to stop him one on one because they can't use Delvin Cook. They can't have Cook chipping every time because they need Cook going into the flat to catch the ball because they don't have enough pass receivers if Thielen's not one hundred percent. So they need Delvin Cook to be one hundred percent in this game, and then defensively they need um, Kendricks to be one hundred percent this game. And then you know the Saints' offense, Drew Brees has been what are they averaging forty points a game in the last four weeks, something like that. Yeah. The Saints are absolutely unstoppable right now offensively, but defensively, you know, they, they got lit up by injuries. San Francisco. Who? Yeah. New Orleans. Mm-hmm. On defense. Yeah, um, I, I just, I, I think, and I, I said this even before the season, I said, you know, I'd be more afraid to face the Bears than the Chiefs, I said at the time when we thought the Bears were a playoff team and the Chiefs were the best team in the NFL. Like, the Vikings, I think, can can score with anybody, and I and I still think that. The question is, um, an elite defense can stop them. I don't think New Orleans has an elite defense. So, if Thielen's healthy... I really think this is a toss-up game. I really do. 
um, you know, Zimmer has played very well against um, Sean Payton. You know, they, they go back to being, you know, the D coordinator and the offense coordinator for the Cowboys in the 90s. Zimmer has always um, done well against the Saints for whatever reason. Um, the Vikings, I, I don't think, have, have Zimmer, has Zimmer lost to the Saints as the Vikings coach? Um, I don't know. I mean, technically, I'd the, have to check. The but game they, they won, they, they should have lost. Yeah, but I mean, but yeah, that came back and forth so many times in the last two minutes. Yeah, but they won that game obviously on the miracle. But uh, the year before, in Week One, was the game where Bradford threw for like 380 yards and three touchdowns. Like the, the Vikings have done very well against New Orleans. Um, Drew Brees, you know, who arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, even though he wasn't in the NFL 100, he um, he has not done that well against the Vikings historically. He's had turnovers and he's not a mobile guy, and so he, I'm less afraid of him than I am of like Aaron Rodgers because uh, even though he's vastly outplayed Rodgers this year, because if the Vikings can get pressure. And, you know, that's something that they've been very good at for most of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Breeze, Breeze can't move. Uh, the Vikings have not been susceptible to um, to passing out of the backfield, so I'm not really afraid of Kamara. Uh, Mike Thomas is probably going to have, you know, 13 catches for 150 yards in this game. And, you know, Xavier Rhodes has been the biggest hole on this Vikings team the entire season. And now all he has to do is cover the best receiver in the NFL. So that's obviously a worry. But I don't really see, like, I guess Jared Cook has played well the last few weeks, but, you know, Jared Cook is a 30, what, 34-year-old tight end sort of journeyman. Mm-hmm. I mean, like who, who Cook's been really yeah. good. Like, I, He's been really good. But it's just, who are you, like, after Mike Thomas, who are you afraid of? Who's the big weapon probably on this Cook. Cook gets Kamara, the Yeah, Kamara's been really good the last few weeks. But I, I think I, I think that the, the, the Vikings are not, a, are not a great matchup for him. So I think, I think what this comes down to, look, it comes down to, obviously, if Cousins is going to sort of like fit the narrative of Cousins in a big game like he did against the Packers two weeks ago, then whatever, the Vikings are going to get blown out in this game. But I don't think that narrative is very accurate, notwithstanding the Packers game. I think that he's played very well um, in all of their primetime games this year. He played very well in Seattle when they lost a close game on Monday Night Football, and he played very well in a bunch of other you know games that they won and also games that they lost close games. I think Cousins can be fine. Uh, having Delvin Cook back 100% healthy will be key. And I, if, Thielen is hel- if, if Thielen is healthy, I really honestly think this is a 50-50 game. Uh, if Thielen's not healthy, then the Vikings are going to be in a little bit of trouble. And I don't know what the answer to that is. And then uh, on the other side, Kendricks. If Kendricks is not healthy, then they got no chance on defense because Kendricks is the one who's going to be responsible for uh, you know stopping um, Elvin Kamara coming out of the backfield. So that's my take on this game. I, I'm definitely I'm going to take the points. I'm going to pick New Orleans to win, but I'm going to take the points. New Orleans to win and cover. Okay, Akiva. So that brings us to the final game of the weekend. Uh, the game of the week, the team, uh, the game with the uh, lowest spread, so the closest game projected. Even though uh, by FPI and, and, and other um, advanced systems, it's the, it's the least enticing game in terms of the quality of the teams involved. But I guess that's why it's the closest matchup. It's the Seahawks who won every single game by you know one or two points this year against the Eagles who managed to survive the garbage that was the NFC East. And to talk about this game, we're going to bring on two longtime guests of 32 fans, uh, Eagles fan Shamir Seidman and Seahawks fan Josh Brashley. So Shamir, Josh. Welcome back to 32 Fans. Samir, we're going to start with you. What was your confidence level through most of the season that you were actually going to make the playoffs? I famously said when the Eagles were 4-5, and five, oh yeah, they're going to win out and win the division of 11-5 because their schedule's easier than the Cowboys. And they kept losing, and I kept saying, well, they're still going to win the division. And ultimately, I was right, but only by, not, not by anything the Eagles did, more just because the Cowboys collapsed. Well, uh, the first the first quarter of the season kind of sucked, and you know you couldn't really tell which team you were getting week to week. They beat Green Bay on the road, and they lost to the Vikings, and they were winning games they weren't supposed to win, losing games they weren't supposed to lose, and then you know it was it was hard to really figure out what was going on. And then they went on that three game stretch where they played the Patriots, the Seahawks, and the Dolphins, and looked awful, awful, awful in those three games, and. 
I wrote the season off. It's over. It's done. You know, move on, figure out draft position and call it a day. And then that's when the Doug Peterson magic kicks in. Just when you count us out, we're back. So talking about magic, uh, Josh, a lot of Seahawks fans after week 16, when their number one, number two, and number three running backs all were gone for the season. This is from a team that runs the ball 30 times a game. They were sort of writing, writing off the season as well. But then you guys re-signed Beast Mode, and every Seahawks fan is super pumped and super back into it. And then in week 17, against a much better team, as the Seahawks do every single week, they found a way to take that game down to the wire. Uh, they ended up losing it. And they uh, are playing this week the wild card instead of hosting uh, probably Vikings. I think they want to host it as a three seed. So uh, what's your feeling about the Seahawks coming into the playoffs? I mean, similar to Shamir, I think like this was the definitely one of the weirder Seahawks seasons that I can remember. Um, and every single game was close and they typically played much better against better teams with the exception of they never play well against the Rams. Um, I think in a weird way, them having all their running backs hurt might help them because then stupid Pete Carroll might not insist on running the ball 35 times a game um, and give it to their best player to actually win games because their defense isn't good enough to win the way Pete Carroll wants to win anyway. So if anything, like losing the San Francisco game, I think helped them because assuming that, you know, if they beat the Eagles, they get to play San Francisco again, who they obviously can play very closely. Whereas I think they would have had to go to new Orleans otherwise, and they would have gotten slaughtered in the, in the Superdome that first game. So in a weird way, I think it was kind of a, a good thing um, them losing and, Obviously, Chris Carson and Penny were playing extremely well, um, but it kind of forces their hand to put the ball in Wilson's hands, which could, is definitely the best way for them to actually get hot in any, in any capacity. Yeah, DK Metcalf in the second half of the season really emerged as a star receiver, and, and Tyler Lockett sort of disappeared a little bit down the stretch, but you know he's still mm -hmm. one of the most efficient uh, downfield threats in the game also. Um, let me ask you, playing the Eagles, and I guess this is a question for both of you, I don't really think of Seattle and Philly as like a big rivalry. Like, have there been any like specific moments between these teams that uh, has caused envy? Because as a Vikings fan, I hate both your teams for different reasons. Without, without doing too much research, I don't think the Eagles have ever beaten Russell Wilson. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, but, I think got, but also, Carson Wentz has never lost a playoff game. So Correct. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Sure that, that for some reason the Seahawks have never I don't even know if they've been in a close game against the Eagles um, since Russell Wilson they I mean I know the score seemed closer in the November game but yeah. I watched that game and the Eagles had literally zero chance to win that game at any point they were uh, there was a yeah, bad yeah, team as I've seen all year that was a low, that was a low, a low point yeah. in the season yeah oh for sure they were they were banged up they had they were throwing to guys who like it, it was crazy. I've never seen an NFL team look like that bad. Who had that had a good quarterback in theory, you know? Now we talked, uh, Shamir. We talked about the Eagles, the Seahawks injuries of running back. Who are the pass catchers who are going to be helping this game for the Eagles, other than Dallas Goddard? No one's really sure if Zach Ertz is going to play. I think we're going to assume he's not going to play. So their starting number one wide receiver is Greg Ward, who was <laughs> on the practice <laughs> squad. At the beginning of the season. Yeah. By the way, can I, can I, I just interrupt? And right? yeah, I told, I told, uh, I didn't know this podcast was happening. Alex just said, by the way, I invited Shamir and Grashen on for 
a one o'clock podcast. And I'm like, well, you invited Josh. Josh had a baby like a few days ago. Like if it was a, yeah, if it was, I think it was a girl. I think it was a girl, right? But if it was yeah, a boy. It's eight it was, days old. I was saying so. it was a boy. There wouldn't even be like a Brits yet. But uh, I guess, you know, Chester doesn't, uh, he, he doesn't follow Facebook or something. But, well, you know, I'm Josh has already Josh. done done more parenting to this kid than I have to like two of my four, I think he would argue. That's probably true. <laughs> you interrupted uh, I, I, talking I, about the intro oh, of the Eagles. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Shamir, well, keep talking actually, about the receivers. To be fair, uh, Josh's rude baby interrupted. Yeah, no, the baby, the baby was rude, not, not me. Yeah, I apology accepted. Apology accepted. <laughs> um, Eagles number one wide receiver, Greg Ward, formerly of the practice squad. Number two wide receiver, I guess, is there also their backup tight end, which is Josh Perkins, who was in the Redskins practice squad a few weeks ago. And their number three wide receiver, also from the Redskins practice squad, is Robert Davis. And their fourth wide receiver is, I think, on the Jets practice squad, Deontay Burnett. So oh, I didn't even know he was in the get, NFL. Whenever you <laughs> can funny. get pass catchers from vaunted offenses like the Redskins and the Jets, you know you have to try. Well, though that group that I just mentioned – put up their highest offensive output last week against the Giants of the whole season. So just, they seem just they to seem clarify to Shamir yeah. to clarify uh, the, the Jets did not deem it worthwhile to add Deontay Burnett to their practice squad. He was, mm, so he was in a training street, camp. A street free agent. Yeah. He's a, he's in training camp. He's the quarterbacks, like one of his best friends and they still didn't think he was good. <laughs> well, Deontay Burnett had the Eagles second longest catch by a wide receiver this entire season last week. Yeah. He's not bad. He, he actually played well in the preseason. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there are the offenses since that three-game stretch. They had went on a four-game winning streak against. They beat the Cowboys, the Redskins, and the Giants. Or three-game winning streak, I should row. say. Well, and, Shamir, let's talk about the, the secondary for the Eagles was sort of the biggest hole in the early part of the season. Yeah. And as we said, Seattle with, with Metcalf yep. and Lockett and no, and no running backs is going to have to throw the ball. Shamir. Shamir. Shamir seems to have suffered the same fate as many of the Eagles this season in that. Uh, He's waiting to get into the into the blue tent. Um, All right. Well, so while Shamir is being well, I've got a question for Josh. That's also a good question for Shamir. Uh, What? Looking back, I'm sure you've rewatched the tape several times. Looking back at the Eagles Seahawks game from six weeks ago, what do you what do you what are your big takeaways in terms of like what what could happen on on Sunday? Well, and for people who don't remember, the the Seahawks won seventeen to nine in Philly. Yeah, and they and that nine, they scored a touchdown with like under a minute left. The Eagles, yeah. like in prevent defense, like they had three points the whole game against a bad defense. Um, I mean, it was kind of the second game where the Seahawks had their safety that they had traded for Diggs, who um, has been great. And one of the reasons they suffered the last couple of weeks was they were without him. Um, it was also one of like two games where they actually got pressure on the quarterback because the Eagles offensive line was also decimated just like everything else. So it was honestly an extremely boring game. Um, The Seahawks had a couple big run plays and they had one deep pass play and Wilson had some very uncharacteristic, like easy touchdown misses, but it was really never in doubt. It was, yeah. I mean, Hollister with no one within 10 yards of him and, like Wilson just kind of overthrew him. Yeah. Um, I may have lost some and, about that week. 
Yeah, I could imagine. It was really, it was really just the the Rashad Penny game, and of course, Penny's not not going to yeah. be there this Sunday. Yeah, uh, well, and Wentz, right. Wentz turned the ball over four times. That was really the story. Of the five, game. five, five Nelson, yeah. Nelson Aguilar was responsible for Shamir's line in the drop, but apparently he's back on. Right, Shamir, are you there again? I think Shamir's oh, here now. I guess not. <laughs> it's another drop for Aguilar. All right, so Josh, let's let's uh, cut to the chase. What's uh, what's your prediction for this game? I have a hard time seeing the Seahawks lose this game. And this is coming from someone who's watched pretty much every game this year and does not have a ton of confidence um, in the Seahawks. But I just think the Eagles are too banged up. And the things that the Seahawks really like have that they struggle with, um, they won't have such a hard time because they struggle against those like really quick like slot receiver type guys. Um, and I just don't see the Eagles with the firepower to do that. And I don't think it's going to be like a blowout because obviously the Seahawks don't blow anyone out. Um, but I, I, I'm pretty confident that they're going to win this one. Samir also, by the way, he, uh, again, his line has dropped for whatever reason, but he's made a prediction. He has 24-21 Eagles, so he has the Eagles. Yeah, That's uh, a shocker. Shamir, wow. who usually predicts the Eagles go 15-1. and one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how many times have the Eagles scored 24 points against someone that's not the Giants? Yeah. Um, Keith, what's your pick here for this game? Um, you know, I, I watched the, the Eagles-Seahawks game. I'm trying to think back. And the truth is, Josh talked about how uh, they really had Wentz under firewall game, and they did. They knocked him. They, you know, he, he lost two fumbles in addition to the two picks. But the Eagles were also able to get at Russell all game. They sacked him six times. Uh, you know, Russ, Russ had a, you know, not a and great game. the Eagles game pass there. rush was absent for much of the season. I mean, they destroyed uh, Luke Falk, obviously. In week three, yeah. That was. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, but they had a pass rush in this game. Now, Wilson's, you know, been running for his life for much of his career, really. Yeah. yeah and he's not he's... running, you know, running anymore. Um, and the – the Seahawks, so the Seahawks were only able to complete 13 passes. They relied completely on the run. That's probably not going to be there just based on the personnel. I, I think every, you know, it's the Marshall Lynch is a fun story, but if he's doing anything other than running on third and one or fourth and one, I think you're overtaxing him. Yeah. yeah how did you, by I, way, I Josh, how did you feel when he came out there on the one yard line before the full start for what seemed like the touchdown at the time? Uh, well, emotions? I mean, I think you have to like, it's funny because I'm usually a pretty pessimistic fan in general, but like something about seeing Marshawn in a Seahawks jersey just filled my heart with gladness. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he is—he's just so—I don't know—he's my favorite all-time Seahawk um, by a pretty considerable margin. And no love for Sean. Alexander. It was just really. No, Sean was—I <laughs> mean, Sean was running untouched for like five years. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Marshawn, like really. Marshawn was the glue on those teams, on those like great teams. Um, and so, I don't know, it was just, uh, it, was, it was very fun. And I was hoping that he didn't get quite as many carries as he did. Um, but he did start to kind of, he had a couple decent runs in the second half. Um, and he had that, I mean, the touchdown, just the place went absolutely bonkers. It was awesome. Yeah. And Keith, what you were saying about like, yeah, Russell Wilson got battered around. Um, and one of the most infuriating things about the Seahawks is they never seem to stick with the things that work. Like clearly what worked in the second half against San Francisco against a far superior defense and a far superior defensive line was they did these little quick passes and they moved Wilson around and like 
because they weren't relying on the running game, they had a lot of like, quick passes to Travis Homer, who actually looked pretty good. Um, if they did that, I think they'd win this game by, by two touchdowns. But I just never trust Brian Schottenheimer and Pete Carroll to do those kinds of things. They, it just, for whatever reason, they can't seem to figure out that that's what's going to work. Um, and if they, if they did, like, they'd win this game with ease, I think, because I just think the Eagles are too beat up. All right, Keith, what's your pick? What's the line? Um, the line – well, the, this line was weird. It opened with Billy yeah. favored, then it was Seattle favored by one and a half. Yeah, I think I guessed this uh, right, or at least yeah, better you, you than you did. you guessed Seattle at one. At the time that we um, did our guess, the spreads was Seattle one and a half. I guessed the pick. I, I have I, – I think the Seahawks are going to uh, win outright. But the Seahawks are really the chargers of the of the NFC. And uh, – you know, th- this is as far as they go. I'll say this to me is the toughest game of the week, basically because I, I disrespect both teams so much, honestly. I think if the Cowboys had won this division, I would absolutely be picking them in Seattle. It, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to pick the, the, the banged up Eagles team in Seattle, even though Seattle, in my mind, is basically an 8 and team, you know, with, uh, with an all-world quarterback. And, you know, while, while they lost Chris Carson in their running game, I think that, you know, Mac Metcalf really, as a, as a rookie receiver, really has emerged in the second half of the season. So I think they, they have a little bit more offensive firepower. It's going to be a relatively low score game. I'll say Seattle looks like 20 to, to 16 or something like that. Chester, yeah. in uh, 2017, when the Eagles played the Falcons, who did you pick in that game? I'm sure I what about the Vi- what about the Vikings game right after that? What about the Patriots game right after that? What about the Bears game? What about the Bears game in the playoffs last year? <laughs> yeah, but those are all with Nick Foles. Ah, uh, okay. Well, don't bet against Big Ball Doug. Yeah, that's how it is. So I'm gonna pick. I'm gonna pick the. Um, I'm gonna pick the Seahawks in a close game, but I'm not betting on this game. I really, this to me is a real toss-up. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the toughest game of the four, I think. This I so, all right, Josh and Shamir, uh, both of you, uh, best of luck. Um, if the Vikings have lost in some horrific way earlier in the day, I'll probably be too depressed to even bother watching this game. It's quite likely what will happen, so I probably wouldn't even see part of this game. But uh, best of luck, and maybe we'll be speaking to one of you uh, next week when you play uh, probably San Francisco unless the Vikings are All right, all right, Go Birds! Eva, I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. What makes a house a home? Been running for so long. When I met you, I couldn't let you. What makes a house a home? What makes a house a home? Been running for so long. When I met you, I couldn't let you What makes a house a home? Been running for so long 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 What makes a house a home? Been running for so long when I miss you, I couldn't miss you. Oh, I'm tired of being alone. My, oh, my Lord. I just can't hardly wait. We've come so far through the darkest days. The long nights over. 
starting to believe I'm not as broken as some made me out to be What makes a house a home? Been running for so long When I met you, I couldn't let you What makes a house a home? What makes a house a home? Been running for so long When I met you, I couldn't let you Oh, I'm tired of being alone Been running for so long 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 When I met you I couldn't let you Oh, I'm tired of being alone been running for so long, been running for so long. Elevate your summer with Osea's best-selling body care set. It's everything you need for radiant summer skin on the go. Featuring travel sizes of Osea's clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral skincare, like their best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Right now, you can get the best-seller's body care set, a $78 value, 33% off. And use code SUMMER to save an additional 10%. That's an additional 10% off at OCEAMalibu.com code SUMMER.